and to you know that we need to kind of be working to kind of create a more sustainable budget uh, where there is more stability for uh, recruitment purposes alone from one year to the next. Sherlock here for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio, anywhere on the internet, WFPR.FM, and in the local FM radio dial, 102.9. Here today with another chalkboard chat session with a school committee member, Dave Callahan. Dave, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Thanks for uh, for the invite back, the opportunity to have uh, our second episode of Chalkboard Chat. We're going to try to make a run for uh, for Jamie's uh, numbers. I think he's he's hit over 100. He's in syndication. Let's see what we can I, do. I don't there. think he's I, – I, coincidentally, I did check. He's not quite at 100. I think we'll reach 100 probably in the second quarter next year. But we're All getting right. close. Well, he's getting close, and we'll see if we can get on his heels in no time. Yes, yes. We'll just have to increase the frequency. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because at, at two a month, assuming we continue to follow along kind of the post-school committee recap process, and we, there's nothing to hold us to that. That's kind of the concept. And we can, as certain other things happen, we can adjust accordingly, um, which is what we've done with Jamie as well. Some of Jamie's have been kind of joint with Tom Mercer. So we've done a joint town council quarterbacking and talk Franklin at the same time. Um, there was also one where we had the four tom and jamie lucas and denise uh coming out actually just before the joint budget subcommittee so we had all four together talking to you know kind of the big issue that's we're all going to be having more discussions about as things go (laughs) so which is great and i'm always so impressed at at all the information that's that's out there and readily available for everybody you know here in franklin because there's so much to discuss at you know, through through all the different departments and you know like the different committees that we got. So I'm always thankful that to have these opportunities. And yeah, you know, like you said, too, you know, we certainly always be able to recap some of the meetings. But the first couple of the the chats that we had too were I mean, they were talking about the budget. They were talking about you know certain issues. Really kind of dive into because there's there's so much out there. And I, I might say too for the listeners, if there's any kind of topics that that you're curious about as well, please feel free to to reach out. Uh, be able to answer any questions that you have, but also if, if it's worth, you know, if we, it's something we should kind of bring up in one of these chalkboard chats, I think that's that's always great too. Yeah, we're certainly open to leveraging this platform, i.e., the ears between the ears, the audio time, whether you're exercising, you're walking, you're driving, commuting, whatever. You you get to listen, you get to stop and go, go back again, go forward. And then as th- things strike, you can certainly take a deeper dive into the links in this or go back to the town website, school committee pages, budgets. I mean, you can go anywhere um, and get the additional info. So, yeah. Thank you for taking time to do that. It takes two to tango. I would, I, I've always loved to talk, period, about anything that's Franklin because, oh, by the way, Franklin matters and schools are very important. So, yeah, it, it, I look forward to continuing this conversation as we go forward. As do I. As do I. So you did have a meeting uh, just last week on Tuesday the 22nd. And again, the video and audio for the meetings are already available through Franklin TV, Franklin Matters. So you can certainly get the length 
of that and all the details. And we'll kind of condense it a little bit here. So where do you want to start? Yes, we had this is one of the last uh, kind of like the, the summer meetings uh, already a, a little light and they, they, they move quickly and I got to to build up my stamina now for some of the next uh, <laughs> part of your training period, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, um, you know, I know, uh, Lucas, one of the, the big things uh, that he's kind of been touching upon all summer long and, and when we had an update uh, during the superintendent's report was about the, the hiring process and the staffing levels. That uh, you know where he's because uh, we you know we got a brand new HR director uh, Ken who's who's been just absolutely crushing it uh, this summer and you know, while we're not at you know, zero vacancies we're, we're definitely in a really good place they've been they've been working incredibly hard uh, to ensure that uh, you know as for however many vacancies that we do have uh, you know there's there's spots open for when schools are, are coming in session. A corporate perspective, it's good to have the right people on the bus. And Coley, where you're, you are certainly in the oversight position, but with the school district being in that service delivery of education to our students, it's it's perfectly right to have the right person, the right qualifications, the right certifications, the right approach to fit into the district operation going forward. And that's going to take time. You're not always going to find the person. You may, but you're not always going to find because, oh, by the way, it's a, you know, a challenging environment and people, it's competitive. People can go somewhere else if they choose. Well, and I, and I feel like when, when you talk about it, it's competitive, like I, we were, we were seeing that uh, significantly last summer. So when you kind of looked at, at some of our numbers for like open spots last summer, Around like uh, like the, the peak, it was like like one seventeen, almost like one twenty. Right. Uh, now since then, you know, not only you know we have uh, you know there obviously has been a lot of changes uh, in, in central office, but we've also worked to make the the teacher salary much more kind of compa like comparable to a lot of other towns across the district. I think it's it, we're seeing that. You know that, you know, that kind of the, the that investment there because all of a sudden it went from like I said over almost 120 summer 2022 to it was down to about like 32 uh, mm -hmm. towards the end of uh, um, of July this uh, this summer and so it's a competitive market and we need to be able to stay competitive or otherwise yeah all the, those vacancies are going to be left vacant because every every teacher is going to want to go to you know any organizations, you know, school districts that are paying them at, if not, you know, competitively, it doesn't have to be top dollar, but at least comparable to what some surrounding areas are, just like anybody who's working in, in these sectors is going to be looking around, shopping around. And so I think that, you know, some of the investments that we were able to make really seem to kind of be playing, uh, paying it, uh, those dividends now mm -hmm. as we're starting the school year. Yeah. Salary certainly is a key discussion item when you're considering the higher at least from my own perspective, it was not the be all and end all. Certainly it was a key factor and benefits, et cetera. Um, town, I think, is competitive on the benefit side. Um, and then the other factors in terms of the environment. Uh, we have good facilities. We have a good team. Um, and fitting into that kind of environment, I think the teachers who are here certainly seem to be happy being here. They want to stay. Um, and that's all good. Yeah, you know, that's what Lucas... Um has also done a great job whenever talking about the staffing to to discuss 
when uh, you know we do have some staff that leave to go to other districts? Like, what are some of the the rationale? And every single time that that question has come up, and he's kind of presented back to us, he's a predominantly the, the biggest factor is they're just looking to be closer to home. Yeah. And you know everybody can can relate to that, and so which at least is, you know that that's not something within our control. Right. You know, that's uh, it, it, so it's not like they're coming and they're saying that the culture of Franklin is, uh, you know, is, you know, too difficult or, you know, to, to work with. They're saying culture is fantastic. We're working to kind of make the salaries, you know, comparable to a whole bunch of other, you know, districts in the area. But at the end of the day, it's just that work life balance and being able to be closer to home. And it's, we understand and respect that. But at least it's, you know, when, when teachers are coming and staying in Franklin, um, a lot of it is because of that the great culture and the great community that we that we have and that's thriving here, which is always wonderful to see and to, to hear. Yeah. And in this format, we can take time to dwell on two points that are related to this specific piece. One, clearly the teacher contract, which you alluded to in terms of the competitiveness, you negotiate with the teachers and you did last year. And I think it's a three-year term. So this will be happening periodically. It's a teacher negotiation. And then You've got other contract organizations. I think there's one for ESPs. There's uh, cafeteria workers. There's a bunch of those. Um, and the other piece is the certification from a state level. So that by its nature forces, and Franklin's not unique in that, because it takes three years of kind of on-site working in a district in order to complete your certification requirements for the state. All the districts generally have kind of a try and buy approach, right? So somebody will get hired and assuming they're going to work, you know, they may get that full time contract at the end of three years and they'll, the district already knows we're going to keep this person if we can, et cetera. But realistically, there's going to be some people who will spend the year here or the two years here. And specifically as well, because we've got declining enrollments, we're going to not necessarily be able to keep everybody which then triggers into the contract we talk about where there's certain bump opportunities where teachers with certification and longer longevity um, have opportunities to maintain their positions, assuming they have certifications. And I think that was one thing that bubbled up because of the middle school pos uh, music position. And it certainly wasn't a district choice. It wasn't a school committee choice. But those two factors combined as well with the overall, you know, enrollment decline we're still facing for the next couple of years. Those things are things that we need to be aware of. Right, because that was, you know, like what, yeah, with uh, that middle school position, the position itself is there. It, you know, it wasn't part of any of the, you know, there was 23 positions that were cut um, last year leading into this year. 16 of those due to enrollment driven reductions right. um, and other ones doing to the fact that, that the town just isn't currently able to continue to afford all the services that it's offering. And, uh, but, but yeah, in, in that particular situation, you see from time to time where yeah, it's those contractual kind of bumps uh, there, the position itself remains open. That's not being cut, but just the, the actual individual, unfortunately, kind of gets bumped around based on seniority, based on that professional status. And mm -hmm. uh, I did see some of that last year. Yep. It's the, the nature of the business, uh, the teachers and ESPs and other aides, et cetera. Anybody in the school district, once you're in, you kind of know that way. And 
I think it's appropriate to just remind the listeners that this is the process. Um, this hopefully doesn't affect us all the time, but it is a factor. It definitely is. And, and you know, uh, one of the things what's, what's often kind of tricky too is when you look at like from a recruitment standpoint, where I guess, you know, there were a number of positions that, that had to be cut because uh, the money just wasn't there. And we kind of saw this the summer of 2020, uh, right after COVID, when it was 103 teachers that were instantly let go. It was it was all those non-professional status teachers, individuals who kind of weren't, uh, didn't hit the three years. And, but from a recruitment standpoint, when you kind of have a budget that isn't sustainable from one year to the next, that constantly kind of mm-hmm. has to keep making cuts and reductions, you got to be a, a little nervous to kind of jump into this community, uh, knowing that, you know, you might be currently in a, in a position where you have that professional status or you have that that stability and then all of a sudden you kind of jump on over to Franklin where that isn't really guaranteed because our finances are you know kind of have been rocky mm-hmm. you know we kind of even saw this during the, the joint budget subcommittee where uh you know Jamie uh, Helen kind of put out a great five-year forecast and, and it showed FY25 in the red but not to the extent that I had been worried about it, I think others, you know, for some time, but FY26, uh, where there would be expected to be without any other, you know, changes, cuts across almost every single department. And if you're just kind of looking to, to join our team right now, and you happen to see that, well, yeah, you're not going to hit that professional status. Your job might be on the cutting block in a couple of years. And, uh, why it's even more important for the community at large, I feel to really be looking at that five-year plan to, you know, that we need to kind of be working to kind of create a more sustainable budget uh, where there is more stability for uh, recruitment purposes alone from one year to the next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and uh, an interviews that I had with the superintendent last week will be out shortly, depending upon the timing. It may actually be out before this one gets published, but it'll be out soon. Uh, he referenced that as well, that, uh, the new uh, business administrator, Dr. Bob Dutch, is heavily working on fine-tuning the school's portion of that five-year plan so that at some point in time, we'll be able to get more into the, while the town certainly did their piece, Jamie also left some other big numbers out there that at some point in time would need to get plugged in. Uh, and the schools, likewise, you'll need to bring those to the table so that in that joint budget, we'll start having the discussion Start fine-tuning. Okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to make this work for us? Because that's really going to be the community decision and discussion is clearly should be ongoing. So anytime people are out and around, they should be having some discussions around, okay, what do we want to be? How do we want to fund our schools? How do we want to fund our senior center, library, police, fire, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, I was actually just... um, uh... Uh, right after my son uh, has a baseball game and all the parents are just kind of going, we're, we're hanging out and chatting with one of uh, uh, one of my friends. And he kind of mentions about the some of the cuts that were being made leading in like middle school clubs. Mm-hmm. And that led to a really lengthy you know conversation that we kind of had about like just straight up what can Franklin afford to pay? And right. what we're looking at right now, it's not middle school clubs, unfortunately, despite all the enrichment and the amazing opportunities they kind of provide. And 
I, he was he was a little kind of taken aback because he, yeah. he was, you look around Franklin and it doesn't seem like it's a community that can't afford to to pay for a lot of these services, and uh, and, it, and it, so it's going to be a lot of those just kind of you know conversations at the, at, at the ball field at the playground at uh, you know wherever you might be uh, with with all your neighbors to kind of say this is where we're at and this is where we're going. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And while we probably could spend the rest of this time talking about budget, there's some other <laughs> things we probably should cover from the meeting. <laughs> I think so far, we, we probably got at least four, if not five hours of budget conversations. <laughs> so we we'll just re- respect the listeners. Thank you for listening and come back. There'll be more budget stuff. <laughs> so yeah, there were, um, I, you know, uh, something else that kind of got brought up uh, during the school committee meeting. And I'd love to be able to, to use this platform to discuss further was uh, the, so, you know, the state house um, in uh, on Beacon Hill kind of went and passed uh, free lunches, uh, free meals for uh, uh, for all the kiddos at school. But I do, uh, it was kind of stressed at the meeting and I'd love to be able to kind of talk about it now too, that typically what would happen is, you know, individuals in, in you know, difficult financial uh, situations of families could apply for free and reduced lunch. Not only would that get them, let's say, free lunch, but it also opens the door for so many other services um, that that the schools provide specifically kind of our realm. You know, one of the things that kind of popped up during uh, the meeting on last Tuesday was like, a, like clubs and, and sports and how that all kind of, you know, there's costs mm-hmm. associated with that. But by kind of filing for some of these applications for free and reduced lunch, it opens the door for, for extra help through that. So... Any listeners, um, you know, if you know of any families that, uh, you know, otherwise would need to apply for free and reduced lunch, and maybe they're not doing it now because they know it's it's free for everybody, they don't have to do it. Please encourage them still to kind of to reach out uh, to file those applications, or just kind of just talk to you know even you know the teacher, the, um, the principals, or over in central office, and there's also a website they can kind of go and apply for. But still to encourage them because you know everyone's going to get. Um, you know, get lunches uh, and meals taken care of at the schools, but there's still, it's going to open up so many other doors for everybody. Yeah. yeah. And I know uh, the superintendent in the district sent out a communication last week to that end. We've shared it. Uh, the link's available. And yeah, I'd reinforce that because lunch is just not the only piece. It's kind of the tip. And there's other pieces, as you mentioned, the, the after-school program, sports, I believe transportation's related into that as well. Um, in terms of either reductions and or, uh, you know, the freeness getting extended uh, because of the school district and your individual status. So even if you're not sure, apply. It it only takes a few minutes. The application's online. It is secure. It goes just to the people who need to get the info. So it's not like you're doing an online application and broadcasting it to the world. You're not. Uh, clearly, the district has said in other places they want to be respectful of your info and deal appropriately with that, and they will. So, yeah, we'll, we'll add that plug to that for sure. You know, and there was also um, conversations, too, just about the communication guidelines where uh, really kind of talking about, like, the the right channels to to kind of voice some some different concerns for, you know, for families, especially as the school year approaches. You know, where, uh, you know, Lucas really kind of, um, just stressing like to, to kind of, you know, reach out to that, that closest person. And, you know, in most of the time it's going to be the teachers or it's going to be the principals, but, um, what, uh, I know what 
what had been happening was sometimes, uh, you know, some some emails or communications would kind of just lead directly to, say, the superintendent. And obviously, Lucas, you know, doesn't want to hear about these issues. I, I know he certainly does. And I know, you know, he wants to be able to try to address everything that he can. But there's definitely a, a bandwidth issue first. And, and also, too, some, uh, oftentimes, a lot of those, a lot of issues, you know, might be able to be responded to directly by, like, the classroom teacher, you know, probably, you know, with, with more expediency. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, something, too, that was had been going out was kind of talking about those those guidelines and, and some of the best channels uh, to kind of voice concerns or issues. And, um, and so I know he's been pushing that uh, at the start of this year, too. And it's also a polite way of saying that just because the student gets a poor grade, you don't escalate to the school committee. It's not the school committee's realm. Clearly, if you've gone through the entire process, <clears throat> there may be some escalation involved if there's no f- further resolution. But that, sh- especially for a grade, that should be an extreme and a poor example <laughs> of something that you would have to get involved in as an oversight mechanism. Um, but that is the point of I think of the communication. Follow the channels. Talk with the school. Talk with the teacher through the school through the principal. Um, there's methodologies and ways you can still escalate. And Lucas, in his words, he touched on it in the audio that I referenced that'll be coming out as well. Um, he's not against getting escalation, but he doesn't need to be the first person who escalates it. You know, don't escalate it to him. Go Escalate it after you've already searched through the different channels and you still don't have a resolution, then by all means, let him know. But don't let him be the first one because that just is not really going to get you the best answer right away. Well, you know, and that's, that's just it because, you know, so many, you know, very often that, that issue might be able to be immediately addressed by the teacher or by the, the building principal where they're already going to know the facts uh, you know, on the ground. Whereas, and if it's, you know, I've, and I've seen this, you know, in real time where something kind of goes right to, you know, say the superintendent's office and there is that delay as they start to, to investigate and find out, what has been done leading up to this, you know, uh, to, to this email. And, uh, and so I really think that families would you know, find they would be able to get a, a much more quicker response back by kind of contacting that individual who's kind of closest to, to the student mm-hmm. or to the, and again, by all means, continue to, if, if you know, you're not finding the, the right answer, or you're still disagreeing with it, continue to, to kind of reach out to, to all, you know, all involved in all that, that should know about it. But, I do know it's been one of his big messages too that he's been, been yeah, trying to promote. And respectfully too, the committee and you spent time uh, with Lucas discussing some of the nuances around that in the last meeting where it may be, and I think they referenced an incident and again, they didn't go into great details because of the privacy matters, et cetera. But when a student, you know, effectively gets another communication from a student late at night, and then an email gets sent. So they were looking for a resolution first thing in the morning. I mean, just step back, reflect. How realistic is that? And again, there needs to be some parental involvement. Who, What parents were involved in regards to the students being on whatever devices and communicating late at night? Is that appropriate for them? And then letting the system do its thing. It's Don't take the approach, and I'll say it, on your behalf, that somebody is neglecting to address an issue or assuming they're not going to address the issue. The schools are doing right 
they're they're good people. They want to create an informed and open environment for kids to learn. That's their first approach. Hence, give them a little bit of the credit and say, hey, what's going on with this? I heard this, this, this happened, as opposed to, what are you going to do about this? I just, it's, that's not the right approach to start. And, and it is, you know, tough. And we've kind of spoken about this before, about how, like, just the the roles of the schools have have changed and evolved, and the extra demands that, that they have. Yeah, because in that that instance, it was a, you know, it, it was a, um, you know, a situation that you know, happened just in in cyberspace, completely outside. You know, not a it wasn't a school Chromebook or it was at a school location. Mm-hmm. It was in individuals' homes with their own personal cell phones, um, but that starts to intertwine with you know, student behavior and student expectations and now there is the expectation that the schools are responsible in, in some capacity to kind of go and to investigate and to you know to to try to help uh, all involved and so it there is just continual added pressures and responsibilities that kind of keep being added upon to to the teachers and to the building principals and admin in, in central office as well that it, especially when it comes to you know like things like like cyberbullying that just weren't present you know just you know, when when i was in in yeah. school it was just barely barely a, a, you know a thing and um but at, at the same time to any you know kind of like parents and guardians uh, that are listening we the schools starting last fall uh the year prior uh really through starting with the, the policy subcommittee and then later kind of moving out of committee over to uh, the full school committee uh, just completely uh, rewrote all of like the bullying, the harassment, the discrimination policies. As a school committee, as that oversight, we put in hard timelines uh, for when an event occurs. Uh, you know, a, a specified number of days where an investigation has to be really, you know, kind of conducted, so that uh, you know situations do snowball and time often kind of is of the essence, but. But again, to kind of a lot of the parents out there where where you are worried about that is, you know, preteens and, and teens uh, starting to kind of just, you know, do more and, and be more of their own person. But on, on a cell phone that uh, there are a lot of uh, kind of levers that the school committee was able to pull to if an incident such as the one that was kind of discussed before. Uh, if that does occur, that there are hard deadlines that the schools do have to kind of investigate and respond back to so it doesn't snowball uh, out of proportion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that gives us kind of an entry point into our next topic, too, because uh, the policies, et cetera, as applicable are referenced in the handbook, which you also officially Mm -hmm. approved for each of the schools. And there was this auxiliary discussion around that in regards to uh, some of the AI and some of the approaches that particularly at the high school which realistically is going to be more where the students are older they're more adept using the different social tools phones etc and with the school is taking the position leading with the position that this is a teaching opportunity this is a learning opportunity as opposed to some districts frankly are just saying no devices in school that's an approach but i think because if you say no People will find ways around it, and that won't help. And then the students won't necessarily get the best sources of, okay, how do I do this? What are the ways to do that? 
which at least based on what we're hearing, and again, I'm not in the schools all the time, but it seems to be the approach that should be done in regards to, okay, you did this, but this is what we're trying to do, and this is how we're trying to do it, and then work through it with the students so that they then do better the next time. Yeah, I I was thrilled to uh, when Principal Hannah, Josh Hannah from uh, the high school was kind of talking about how he was you know, maybe leaning into AI, artificial intelligence, and things like, like chat GPT, because you're right, some districts will just say, no, we're, we're putting up a wall. You know, I, I remember when I was in school, Wikipedia was just coming out. Mm-hmm. And it was, in, in even as, as, as students, we can kind of see, you know, like the, the, our expectation was just, nope, you do not use Wikipedia. Whereas then you can look at it and you can say, all right, I'm not going to use Wikipedia as like that primary source, but I'm going to look at those citations. I'm going to jump down to the actual source that it's using. You can lean into it and you could figure out what some of the best ways to utilize it to make more well-informed approaches. And I feel like that's exactly the way that the the high school is looking at it. They're saying, all right, we see this this steam engine coming, uh, you know, in, Mm -hmm. in terms of artificial intelligence. And we're going to try to, to teach our, our students what they, you know, what, what they can do with it, what they shouldn't be doing with it, and really kind of being able to how to tell the difference. You know, there was one line in the plagiarism uh, policy where it, uh, it explicit, you know, it states, you, you know, you can't use artificial intelligence, something like, because you could, you can go into like this uh, program, chat GPT, and you can tell them, you know, write me an essay about Great Gatsby as if I was an 11th grader in an American education system. Mm-hmm. It'll go, it'll not only will it kind of talk about Great Gatsby, but it'll really kind of change up the language so that way it fits, you know, an 11th grader and, you know, not, you know, uh, someone, uh, you know, someone a little bit older. But uh, in that policy, what they actually kind of reference is, you know, you can't use it to write your papers. But if you talk to the teacher, and you say, I want to write, and I want to use ChatGPT in this assignment for this reason, they're saying, let's go, you know, like, let's lean into this, mm-hmm. let's see how it can be used. And so that way you can kind of, you know, prove a point with this, uh, you know, because it's artificial intelligence isn't going away. And so I was so excited when Josh uh, Hanna was talking about how they're taking these students and really helping them to, to lean into artificial intelligence and ChatGPT these other programs yeah it's an approach i agree with because i've said in other places and we won't dwell on it here but it's neither artificial nor intelligent and needs to be carefully used it is not the next best silver object that is going to solve all problems it inherently won't but there are specific use cases where it can help and thereby you need to know the difference Right. So even in the work that we're doing, I'm doing particularly through cable, TV, radio, et cetera, I include the original sources. So when I report on a meeting, clearly I'm reporting firsthand on what I'm hearing, seeing, doing. I include the video links. I include the agenda links. I include the supporting doc links. So those are the original sources. Mine is also an original source to the extent that it's my experience, but it's my impression of what's going on. And I try to be as, you know, this, these are just the facts. <laughs> you know, I try to keep political things out of, unfortunately, in Franklin, it's all nonpartisan anyway. Um, so I don't have to worry about the political issues, the party politics. I don't want to touch at all. That's just the a lightning rod. I won't go anywhere there. Um, 
but I've been to meetings and I listened hear some other reporting that's like, were they at the same meeting? <laughs> I didn't get that. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it does happen. It happens all around. Unfortunately, it's happening more and more frequently because AI is also inducing that frequency bit, but it needs to be carefully utilized and we need to be able to differentiate. I can use it for here or not, or how best to use it. And I foster them to at least have that discussion with the students because clearly the students are going to be our future. <laughs> so, yeah. No, and, and I'm, I'm actually excited too that, um, or, you know, typically we'll kind of get like a Christian high school, like new classes that are new offerings that are coming around mm -hmm. to, to see if, you know, as we move forward, is that, you know, is, is artificial intelligence, is AI and, you know, start to kind of be, be taught as, as more of a, you know, more classes because it certainly can, you know, I know that there's going to be an argument for it and, and a lot of good rationale for it, but I think you can also spend just as many hours on, on AI as we do on yes. the budget too. Yes. Yeah. So we we will not continue to go a deep dive there. <laughs> um, but like I said, otherwise, you know, it was a pretty quick overall uh, meeting. Um, and, uh, you know, I know we have uh, there'll be our, our next uh, meeting coming up on uh, September 12th. Right. And so uh, then Tuesday we'll really after Labor Day, it's the full week after Labor Day. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Uh, and so uh, I'm sure, especially now that the school's in session, um, that uh, I've already been hearing some, some um, you know, great feedback from uh, from some teachers about how, you know, uh, some of the, the beginning discussions and presentations and PD that they have uh, been going. But I know we'll, we'll sort of get some more feedback on that and really get into uh, to the swing of things. Mm -hmm. with the, uh, I'm already, so just this morning through my office window, I saw a school bus drive by. I was like, all right. It's real school yes. session. Yeah. Yeah. So two quick notes, PD professional development. And this year to start the intro uh, day where the school, the district gathers everybody was combined with the next day. So instead of splitting professional development from the intro day, they actually are combined on two days together to allow the teachers and those, the individual schools to do more of that in a concentrated fashion to kickstart the school year. Um, and then as uh, even Jamie, Helen are reminded, and Lucas did as well, because the buses are on the road, slow down, be aware, be careful. There's going to be students on the road as well. So it's not just watching for motorcycles. Now you've got bikes. Now you've got walkers. Kids may not make the best decisions because they are trying to hurry to school. Maybe they're late. So be patient, be kind, slow down. Absolutely, especially uh, you know, come you know, you know winter time. Some of those, like the middle schoolers, are getting on the bus very early, mm. and uh, you know, really, you know, really kind of just be be mindful of that as uh, the road conditions aren't always the best. We have a great DPW, but weather is always a challenge. <laughs> well, thank you for taking time to recap. Um, I appreciated this chalkboard session. Um, oh, the one other piece, not to dwell a whole lot of time on it, but at least for the residents and voters, you have taken out papers and you are rerunning for election this year, right? Yes, I am. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm happy to uh, uh, toss my uh, my hat in the ring. And uh, I think by the time that this uh, likely airs, uh, I think it's by September 6th, uh, I think just about everything should kind of be formalized. Uh, you know, everybody has to pull papers, get a certain number of signatures and um, and so uh, right after Labor Day, uh, the town of Franklin will know exactly who's 
who's running, who's not, uh, which seats are going to be contested. But but I certainly am very happy to be able to um, uh, you know get myself back on the ballot. Hopefully, the uh, community of Franklin will be able to to give me another two years to continue uh, serving here as a school committee member. Because uh, I think based on the last cheat sheet, it looks like we have just seven candidates for the seven positions. Um, so there's not a whole lot of competition. So hopefully, similar to you, you are willing to do what you need to do. So kudos for that. I Kudos for stepping up and continuing, at least to you, for from my behalf, yes. Yeah, yeah, there's, um, I know uh, from, because uh, Nancy Dinello, town clerk, does a great job of constantly posting the spreadsheet of all the individuals who have run. And at least, yeah, with, with looking at the school committee's context, uh, they'll, there's currently three of us uh, returning, uh, uh, rerunning again, myself, Dave McNeil, and Al Charles. Uh, and then right now, there's uh, four uh, new individuals looking to uh, to join the school committee, which is uh, fantastic. And, you know, if, welcome. I look forward to, to working with, with everybody and anybody uh, after uh, after the election on November 7th. Be thinking about election season. I feel like it was just uh, yesterday. That... Election season is right after Labor Day, for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and while you've been preparing for school, I've been preparing for election season. So, yeah, between TV, radio, and certainly Franklin Matters, we're gearing up to conduct as many interviews, share that in as many formats as possible so that when the election comes November 7th, I believe, that people can be informed to make a good choice. Um, that's our goal. So, well, thank you again for taking time. Have a great Labor Day weekend. And I'm sure we'll talk after the meeting uh, sometime in that early second week of September. And uh, quick reminder for the listeners, thank you for listening. Come back. We'll do more of these chalkboard checks. And we do them because Franklin matters. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve.com at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.